Do you love the 1,000 Hours Outside Movement? Did you know you can also purchase from our online store where we carry everyday adventure gear for your family? In this episode, Linda talks about a hammock or hammock adventure she had with a friend. And so we are offering $10 off our double person nylon hammocks. Use discount code PODCAST10. Your 1,000 Hours Outside hammock comes in five gorgeous color combinations, can hold up to 450 pounds, and can be folded into a lightweight small bag for easy transport. Everything you need comes in one complete package, including tree straps. You'll be hammocking in no time. Visit 1000hoursoutside.com forward slash shop to purchase. Welcome to the 1000 Hours Outside podcast. My name is Ginny Yurich. I am the founder of 1000 Hours Outside. And this is the second time that I get to have a conversation with my friend Linda. Welcome. Thank you so much, Ginny. It is a delight to be back on the podcast. This is awesome. Linda has changed my life with her first book, There's No Such Thing as Bad Weather. I love that title. In her Instagram, in her Facebook, in her social presence, and her blog, where she goes by Rain or Shine Mama. And I know around the world, I constantly see posts about that book and about your concepts in there, about how we need to teach our kids grit and resilience and get outside and all of the benefits of not caring about the weather. And that book, it's kind of a memoir. Memoir mixed with information, just such a life-changing book for me. And so we talked about that last year, and it was really a popular episode. And you have a new book that is launching here in November called The Open Air Life, Discover the Nordic Art of Free Loose Leave. Linda, this is going to be a podcast and embrace nature every day. I'm like, this is going to be a podcast where I get a lot of the pronunciations incorrect and you can just correct me. But let me just tell people about you a little bit. Linda Okasan. McGurk? Did I even say that right? Yeah, <laughs> yes. you're doing well. You're doing well. <laughs> I'm botching. I'm going to botch a lot here. You are a Swedish American journalist and author of two books now. Huge congrats. Thank you so much. You had your first book, A Parenting Memoir, There's No Such Thing as Bad Weather, A Scandinavian Mom's Secrets for Raising Healthy, Resilient, and Confident Kids. I should have had that one out. I have it. I'm grabbing it. Hold on. I'm grabbing it. (laughs) I have it right here. Yeah, there it is. And some of them are different colors. I think I've seen a blue one. Yeah, yeah the blue right? one was the the uh, hardcover. So that was mm-hmm. the, the original uh, version, um, the one you see behind me in the bookshelf here. Yes. And then yeah. the paperback came out a year after. And Wow. Um, yeah, it's, and it's been, it has circulated around the world. It's, what a book. Yeah, it's been, it took on a life of its own. It's been a delight to see how how it sort of it started a little mini movement around and getting out there, dressing for the weather. Um, I, I think it's been uh, it's been great to and I've been getting a lot of feedback from all corners of the world. And uh, yeah. and it also complements your movement so well with 1,000 hours outside. It really did change my life because we're in Michigan. And I. this is what we talked about in the other one, but I used to sort of wish away the winter. Even though we were still trying to get outside, I was begrudgingly going. And that book yeah. really opened my eyes and changed my life. I love how it says here, it was published in 2017 to critical acclaim. It sure was. <laughs> Mentions in the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times. It has become an Amazon bestseller, translated into five languages. Linda, yeah. incredible. And counting, actually. I just... Uh, we just sold the rights to China uh, recently. So that's pretty exciting. It'll be interesting Mm -hmm. to see how it goes over there. But I I think it goes to show that it it does. I think the message is universal, that kids need more nature and, and we need to uh, you know, provide, provide them with it. We are the, you know, the kids gateway to nature and, uh, um, changing our t- attitudes about the weather is uh, the first, mm-hmm. you know, I think, criti- critical step of getting out there and getting over right. our own qualms about discomfort and uh, our preconceived nation- uh, notions about weather and, and um, seasons. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's a fantastic one. What a neat thing to have a book 
five years later, that's still selling and selling and getting translated. And it's such a pertinent message. And it always will be. There's no such thing as bad weather. Scandinavian mom's secrets for raising healthy, resilient and confident kids. And here comes the new one. The open air life. This is beautiful, by the way. Thank you. Stunning book. I love it. I think that, yeah, they did a great job with the cover. It Mm -hmm. just looks kind of dreamy. And and then my friend, uh, my good friend, Heather, uh, done the the illustrations uh, on the inside. I knew knew from the get-go that I wanted it to be sort of a gifty coffee table type book with bite-sized information and, and little nuggets about tips and tricks, but also sort of woven in with... Um, some longer narratives. Um, yeah. And um, yeah. Yeah. Lots of tips and tricks, lots of hacks, which yeah. I loved in there, how to, how to build fires and how to camp and all of those types of things. What stuck out to me the most, Linda, was how different our cultures are. So this is something that you've experienced because you mm-hmm. live in Sweden, but you came and lived in America for a while, 15 years? Yeah, 15 years. So you were able to have this first-hand experience to see the difference in the cultures. And I think when we're aware of cultural differences, it helps us to be more brave to live differently because it feels different, but maybe it's not quite so different from other places in the world. And so can we start there? Can we start with some of the glaring cultural differences surrounding getting kids outside and family time outside between Sweden, between Norway, the Nordic communities in here in America? Yeah, I mean, I think that's where it starts, really in childhood, where, you know, here in the Nordic countries, there's a very strong emphasis on, um, you know, on what what the purpose of childhood is, and, and that nature has a very strong uh, role in children's lives. So in early childhood, um, I think what most parents uh, envision uh, for their kids is not reaching these that academic milestones. In fact, people don't really have those academic expectations on their young children at all. The the main focus uh, is on play and specifically uh, outdoor play. And this is reflected both at home and um, in like childcare institutions like preschool. So, so that was a big change for me when I, when I was raising children in the U.S., I, I noticed um, there, there were just very different expectations. Like little children were uh, expected to sit at desks and trace letters and, and uh, like learn, learn wall words and getting prepared for, for kindergarten and all that. Um, whereas over here, they were just like outside getting muddy and uh, wow. yeah, like climbing trees and, and so forth. So, um, and I think there, this whole sort of culture of uh, free live sleeve or open air life as uh, I, I translated it, <laughs> translated mm-hmm. it to in the book to, to save, to save uh, people from uh, <laughs> having to, to, uh, to pronounce uh, free live sleeve. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah. And um, it, it's, I mean, know, I'm trying. I have it written down yeah. here phonetically. I'm like, when it comes up, I'm hoping to nail it. We'll see. <laughs> you did really well, actually. I've heard uh, I've heard uh, butchered a lot worse than that. So <laughs> um, and I think uh, because we have this this sort of tradition to fall back on, which has been around since the 1850s. Um, you know, that's when it all started, where where people started uh, intentionally spending time outside. And it was kind of a, a reaction against uh, industrialization and hmm. uh, uh, urbanization. Uh, people were starting to feel like they were losing touch with nature. They thought, you know, the cities were getting crowded and noisy and there was pollution. And I mean, we're talking the 1850s here. Wow. <laughs> and they were thinking already back then it was getting crazy. And I mean, just imagine like today um, where where urbanization, I mean, 80% of us now live in cities. Um, I think this need to connect with nature has only gotten stronger over time. Mm-hmm. So, um, so this... You know, so this has been, um, uh, so the it does, it lacks, you know, like a, uh, it lacks uh, an equivalent word in English, but it, 
translates, you know, roughly to uh, like, or translates, but but it, it the meaning is um, to spend time in the natural and cultural landscape uh, for personal wellness um, and um, and to experience nature without pressure to compete or achieve. Mm-hmm. And uh, also to sort of form a connection with nature that sort of translates into an environmental ethos as well mm-hmm. to wow. take care, take care of nature. And uh, yeah, so that passed on from generation to generation. Yeah. I mean, you talk about it even within your own childhood, your parents and your grandparents and your school teachers, babies are napping mm-hmm. outside. So here's my question. When you were here, were you surprised were you thrown off? Were you shocked to see how, how different it was, especially for early childhood? And were you tempted to go that route? Or were you able to sort of hold on to those values that you had, even though you were raising your kids differently than maybe the neighbor was? Yeah, I was a little bit surprised. Um, I lived in Indiana for most of the time. And the climate in Indiana is actually pretty comparable to uh, the weather and or the climate in, in Sweden. And whereas in Sweden, we kind of celebrate winter as something, you know, as a, the season of uh, skiing and ice skating and snowball mm-hmm. fights um, and building snowmen and, and so forth. Uh, in Indiana, there was, I immediately got the sense that winter was something that was dreaded mm-hmm. and to be avo- avoided. A time yeah, that's hybrid. what I said. That's sort of how I felt. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. And, um, but I don't know if I was surprised. I think that, uh, I think, uh, people in my community were probably more surprised to see me. <laughs> they, I think they were the most surprised. Um, cause I got, I got a lot of comments, you know, from people seeing me outside with my girls in the winter time. Like they thought that, wow, you must really love winter, <laughs> you know, being mm-hmm. out here in the cold and all. Um, which I, I didn't, I mean, wouldn't necessarily say that I love winter. I love certain aspects of it, mm-hmm. but it's never like occurred to me that it would be a time when uh, I would hibernate. Like mm-hmm. I'm definitely outside more in the summertime when the mm-hmm. weather is warmer. It's just a little more practical, but um yeah no so I I was pretty I I stuck with my guns I mm-hmm. I did um I did enroll my kids in preschool because that's kind of what everybody was doing mm-hmm. um and it wasn't until later that I started to really question it when I they were already in the system and um and I noticed like <laughs> there were some of the differences like I suggested one time that we take the all the kids to an, a local nature preserve for like end of the school year the mm-hmm. end of the school year celebration and the the preschool teachers were like uh, yeah like shocked at this idea and they <laughs> were like no there's no way we can take the three-year-olds there like there's no way wow and I think what they were seeing was immediately they thought because there are some ravines and things like that they immediately thought danger Mm-hmm. Whereas I had taken my kids to this uh, nature preserve since they were born, basically. Right. So they had grown up in this nature preserve. To me, it was like my backyard. And mm-hmm. so it just goes to show that what you're used to, uh, you know, that's your that's where your comfort zone is. And if you're not yeah. used to being out there, um, then then you're not going to feel comfortable uh, mm-hmm. exposing your kids, or in this case, other <laughs> other people's kids right, right. to that, right? That's such an interesting so, answer to the question, Linda, because your yeah. answer was that you weren't shocked, but everyone else was shocked. And, <laughs> and that is the thing about cultural differences, yeah. is that if there are not books like yours, you might go through your whole life and not know people do this very differently. And we mm-hmm. we skipped preschool. You kind of talk about the power of culture. So this is what everyone else is doing. And we skipped preschool for a couple of different reasons. But I had a lot of little yeah. kids at the time. But I felt like I was one of the only ones. 
And in retrospect, I'm really glad that we did because those are some really fun years and they weren't quite so frazzled. Because we had a lot of kids at the time, I think it would have been pretty frazzled to try and get this one here and this one to that one. And some are two days and some are three days and depending on their age and things. But those were some fun years we had at home, but there was a lot of cultural pressure. So on the other hand, there can be cultural pressure in this way of your baby's going to nap outside and they're going to go to a forest kindergarten and these type of things. One other cultural difference is this right to roam. Yes. Can you tell people about that? I Yes, um, that is, yeah, that's a big, big difference. Um, so here in the Nordic countries, and it's, it's, this right is especially strong in Norway, uh, Sweden, and Finland. So essentially, we have the right to use uh, both public and privately owned land for recreation. Like you can walk wow. on private property Um and you can, and not only that, like you can even like camp out for uh, for a night without asking permission from a landowner. Uh, in Sweden, you can have a small campfire. Uh, you can uh, you can ride a bike. You can ride horses. Um, wow. Yeah, the, like the, you can actually. Uh, we we have a, a universal access to nature. And so, of course, this shapes us, too, because everybody also feels, I think, you know, that sort of mutual responsibility. Um, Mm -hmm. There's a sense that nature is something that, you know, even though that one name might be on the deed, uh, the property deed, the sense is that it's something that we care for together Mm -hmm. and that we own together in a sense. And this goes back to uh, medieval times, some of these customs. Um, and, uh, of course that makes getting outside a lot easier here. Um, uh, you don't, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You don't run into the no trespassing signs and the barbed wire fences. Um, mm-hmm. you can even cross through like cow pastures as long as you close the gate after you're, you know, wow. after you're, um, through, um, and I tell a story in the book about how my friend and I, how we overnight, <laughs> like in a cow pasture, we like we ran out of good options, couldn't find another place to to uh, spend the night, and we're sleeping in our um, uh, hammocks, and uh, yeah, we're in this cow pasture, and and like. <laughs> You know, it's a that... great story. I love it because she got nervous and called the owners. Yeah, yeah. That was <laughs> and then you said pool. they didn't even care. Remember, if you've been eyeing a hammock or if you wanted to purchase one as a gift for a friend, family member, or teacher, you can get a vibrant two-person, 1,000 hours outside hammock where everything you need comes in one complete lightweight small bag for $10 off with discount code PODCAST10. Find them at 1000hoursoutside.com forward slash shop. I can wrap my head around skipping preschool. I can wrap my head a little bit around babies napping outside, although you just know how many people would say something if they knew. It's a little harder to wrap my head around living that way where you have freedom to roam. Mm. Is it something that people utilize kind of all the time? Yes. Wow. Yes. And yeah, and it's something that you take for granted. You know, when you grow up here, you take it for granted. And then when you go abroad, you all of a sudden you realize, wow, what freedom, like how free wow. we are in terms of accessing nature. Um, so that's that is one thing that I really missed um, mm-hmm. uh, in, when I lived in the U.S. But we were we were fortunate. We owned some acreage and, and so we had some woods and yeah, and you backyard. can go to the parks. I so, mean, it, there's just yes. a lot of boundaries. It's like, well, you can experience yes. nature at these six yeah. areas that are within your area. Yeah. But, you know, if you don't have access to a vehicle or things, then you're kind of stuck right where you're at. And yeah. you might look across the street and say, oh, they've got a really beautiful yeah. view in their backyard, but you can't go over there. So what an right. interesting thing. Do you know what I loved in the book, Linda? And I'd never yeah. heard of this before. It was this thing about Airbnb with uh-huh. Sweden, and they listed the entire country. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. So brilliant. I know. It's a, yeah, it was a pretty bold uh, PR stunt <laughs> that the <laughs> this uh, organization pulled off. Yeah. It was a fun thing. Oh, that's they made amazing. It, it, you can go yeah. anywhere pretty much. Yeah. yeah you can. <laughs> it's fantastic. But uh, I was going to say too that I think the American park system is very impressive. And I think mm-hmm. that's what 
you know, what we have over there or what you have over there uh, instead. And I think I would love to see that expanded. I'd like to see more right. like local parks, more local green spaces that are accessible um, to everybody. And I think, I think right. there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of potential for cooperation between private landowners and like local governments where they can, uh, where you can maybe get like compensated for opening up part of your property uh, for recreation. I have been looking for simple ways to form healthy habits and get the nutrients my body needs when my immune system feels unsupported. And that's why I decided to give AG1 a try. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and more, but it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day, and it makes me feel nourished and ready to face the day. As a parent, longevity is on my mind more than ever before. I want to make sure I'm taking really good care of myself so I can continue to show up for the moments that matter with my kids. Every day, AG1 helps me build long-term health with daily nutrients that support brain, gut, and immune health. All it takes is one scoop a day, and I'm setting myself up for the long run. AG1 is a supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash 1000. That's drinkag1.com slash 1000. Check it out. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Question, what's the first thing you do if you had an extra hour in your day? Read a few chapters of that book, start painting that guest bedroom, tackle that pile of laundry, play a card game with your kids. A lot of us spending our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. If you're feeling stuck, therapy is something that can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Therapy is a wonderful thing. It can help you learn positive coping skills or show you how to navigate properly setting boundaries. With BetterHelp, it's easy to get started. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try and visit betterhelp.com slash 1000 hours to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp h-e-l-p.com slash 1000 hours. Wow. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, And you had talked in the book too, the more that's open up, the less crowded things are. So I remember you had talked about in the book about during COVID and the times Mm -hmm. thereafter that a lot of these national parks, you're waiting four hours to get in. There's not enough space for people to utilize how they want to utilize nature. And so if people had things open up, we went to this last winter, I've never done this before, but in the upper peninsula of Michigan, everything Mm -hmm. freezes up there. And we went to ice caves, which was a new experience. I'd never done that before, but in order, it was a hike out there, maybe a mile. In order to get there, you did have to walk through someone's private land and they had opened it up so that you could reach the trail and go see this really cool set of caves with all the ice coming in and it had frozen. And so that was one of the only times that I have done that. And there was big signs. This is someone's private property, but you can stay on the trail. And so that's sort of the idea, right? A cooperation and allowing people to get to the cool sites. Yeah. And I've seen some, uh, I've seen some examples of this too in Indiana and just in the small community where I live, where uh, um, a community foundation, a local uh, foundation uh, partnered with private landowners to create uh, a circle trail, uh, a six wow. mile long circle trail trail around the whole community. And it, it took them a good probably 10 years to get it, you know, from when start to, to finish but it was a uh, it was amazing to see the, the whole community come together for a greater good and expanding mm-hmm. the opportunities for outdoor recreation. So it's yeah. the, so it's a, a great you know walking and biking trail and and wow. I don't see why more community communities can do that you know just follow that model. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And one thing that you open opens up so many opportunities for families and for anyone. One of the other things that's different are the cabins. You talk about that they're strategic cabins, DNT cabins, I think. Yeah. But then also that most people, a majority of people have access Mm -hmm. to cabins where they spend a significant amount of time and they're fairly primitive. So can you talk about that other cultural difference as well? Yeah. So, um, so this is, I think cabin life is big in in all the Nordic countries, but I think Norway probably has the strongest culture and, um, it's, uh, yeah, like, so like you said, most people do have not necessarily that they own their own Mm -hmm. cabins, but they have access to it. And, And a lot of times it's, these cabins are old, like from, there was a big boom in cabin building after the second world war. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times they're just small, primitive, like hand-built cabins from, from that sort of era wow. that have been passed down from generation to generation. So now, obviously, that, that's been a while. So, so you have sort of extended families uh, sort of owning these cabins mm-hmm. together. And I think, you know, for recreation, like we, maybe we define it differently here, but like we we really see like living primitively as part of the, you know, that's part of the appeal about like cabin life. So a lot of these cabins are, well, first of all, they're very small. And second of all, like a lot of them don't have indoor plumbing or electricity. So you have to like go fetch water at a well or stream or something and then there's the an outhouse where you know you go to the bathroom and and it all you know I think I think today I think it's even more important to have um I think it's more even more valuable today to have that sort of escape where Mm -hmm. you go back and, and live primitively um because it's hard to be stressed uh when there's no mm-hmm. there's no wi-fi and 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 like you you're really forced to to kind of go back in time almost and 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 live uh like people like your ancestors did in a way mm-hmm. and uh there it can be very meditative um wow. that's what part of why i love camping i don't have access to a family family cabin like that but but i go camping instead maybe the book will help you get one Maybe yeah. someone will say, <laughs> Linda can use ours because you you said that people will use them on average for 60 days out yeah. of a year, which is a lot of time. It is. Yeah. I loved this part. This was eye opening to me. It makes so much sense. And it got brought up more than once where there's this concept of at home, there's chores. I become irritable more easily. But at the cabin, there is no time to keep, which is such a beautiful phrase. It's simple. It's important to my mental health. There's nothing to do but eat, sleep and take care of our immediate needs. If we had been at home, we would have had schedules to keep and a million Mm -hmm. things to deal with. Here we feel the complete and utter freedom to just be. You had a really cool phrase too, where we accomplish yeah. nothing, but we accomplish everything. I was like, oh, that's yeah. good. That's what it's about to just, mm-hmm. yeah, to allow yourself to just be. And I think that's um, maybe a part of part of a cultural difference as well. I think um, the U.S., you know, for better or worse, is a very, it's very competitive. It's very, um, all people are always, always on the go. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of pressure to achieve and to be, you know, top of your class, to be, to do all the activities, to um, to volunteer and to, to get into the best schools. And like, there's, there's a lot of pressure, especially, mm-hmm. I mean, I'd say on both kids and adults, but, right. um, and I think free of sleeve is a event in a, in a way, um, uh, or, or better yet, you know, it can be part of a more sustainable lifestyle, a lifestyle where mm-hmm. maybe you value time differently, uh, and you value simple, uh, simple life, simple, um, simple ways. Um, and I think yeah, that's what Fidus Leave is, is about. It's about mm-hmm. making connections, um, with family and loved ones outside. Mm-hmm. And that's why, that's one of the reasons why I love, uh, doing you know spending time outside with with my family I we have like the best conversations outside it never fails Mm -hmm. it's like even with my teen and you know how that's a really fragile age and there's just a lot going on with your you know your body and mind and everything but 
when we go for walks, it's like, it's like we're in a different, we're in like a bubble. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, I can't explain it, but it's, it's very powerful. And it's something that I, I'm very uh, adamant that, that I want to, I want to pass down that culture. And I mm -hmm. think, I, I think you can do that, like, no matter where you are, I, I think even though it originated here in Scandinavia, I think it can be adapted to your local um, mm -hmm. situation, you know, no matter where you are, and even like in the city, um, like you mentioned parks before, and Mm -hmm. um, you don't have to live in a wilderness area in order right. to live a life that is connected with nature. Yeah, I loved it was my brother lives in Brooklyn, New York. And so when we have gone to visit, there's a lot of things you can do outside. I was surprised oh, yeah. how many things you could do outside, how many parks, yeah. how many playgrounds, things that you would walk to. And in your mm -hmm. book, you talked about how all the trees and the shrubbery and the bushes and the things that are at these parks, or even maybe along the street, they dampen sound. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they sure do. That was so, interesting. Yeah. And another yeah. motivation to get out. And even if you feel like, well, I'm in the city and it doesn't look like a farm or it doesn't look like a cow pasture mm -hmm. where we're going to hang up our hammocks, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, but still it dampens the yeah. sound. And I think we're so overloaded with sound. That was one of the topics in your book where you talk about the soundscape yeah. and snow, how snow mm. absorbs sound. But this sort of thought of we're so busy that sometimes this is the only opportunity to let go of that to-do list if we step yeah. outside and the kids are so loud and yeah. it makes our minds buzz and we lived in a home where there was this um it seemed like it was going to be great Linda it was like this long open room I, we could have played yeah. basketball in there with high ceilings <laughs> and yeah. then the kids were like riding their bikes from one end to the other it was but it was <laughs> awful because it was so yeah. loud and the sound is bouncing and it was always yeah. echoing and I felt like I was going to lose my mind. But mm. this thought of having the sound absorbed. Can you tell us about well, winter's coming here where we live, about the snow and how it absorbs the sound too? Yeah, I think I think a lot of people might have noticed when they, they go outside in the wintertime that it seems kind of quieter. And it's because the snowflakes, because of the crystals, how they actually, there, there's a scientific uh, reason behind it that, you know, they actually trap air uh, and then, um, you know, that that makes for it, it insulates um, sound just as well as like commercial insul insulation yeah. would do. And uh, so so that's yeah, it's just one of nature's way of. Uh, yeah, I think just providing us relax. Especially yes. when you have young, yes. noisy kids and to uh -huh. know that nature absorbs mm -hmm. that sound. And so you can get outside, you drop your to-do list, even if it's not to a mm -hmm. cabin. I know you talked in there about, I'm saying it, free loop sleeve, that there yeah. was three different kinds. People talk about yeah. vacation, they talk about weekend, but they also talk yeah. about every day. And so, yeah. yeah, so that's, yeah, that's to make it, um, yeah, to, so to break it down, like, Everyday freelance leave, that's the kind of freelance leave that you can do like on, on an everyday basis. You know, most people are busy during the weeks, um, you know, kids do school. And so maybe that's, you know, maybe it's just a walk around the neighborhood. I think that's like that. That's the most common way of practicing freelance leave is to go for a walk around the neighborhood. Um, but it can be very powerful, even if it's yeah. just a 15 minute or 30 minute walk. You can mm -hmm. still um, reap all the benefits from having that nature exposure, right. even if it's just for that short period of time. Um, so maybe it's going down to a local park or, um, you know, or just going out in, the, in your backyard for a while if you if you have one. Um, and then weekend, obviously, then, you know, then you might venture to to a park a little farther away or. Uh, uh, do something that takes a little more time. Maybe you'll do a camp out or a cookout with friends, mm -hmm. um, something that you don't quite have time for during the week. Um, and then on the weekend or sorry, on um, uh, you vacation. vacation. Yes. Mm -hmm. Vacation freelance That's where that's where you might want to dream bigger and think of like, what, what are some really cool places, some wilder uh, places that we could get to feasibly mm -hmm. and, uh, and try to get there because no matter, you know, how you try and, uh, 
no matter how you how you look at it, like the more the wilder a place is, the more restorative um, it is as well. So it is immensely beneficial. And, and like you, you were talking about the sound earlier and like to get away from the city sounds and um, and the light pollution and, and that, that can be very powerful. And, and just to do that, um, yeah, for, for even just a few times a year can be very beneficial. Mm-hmm. There were so many words in the book that just <laughs> go to show that this is how the culture yeah. is. So one of the words... Yeah in terms of the weekend free loose leave yeah. is the sun, the word for Sunday. So, so oh, you're gonna have to say it for me. Sundexter. Sundexter. Yes, that's it. That's Sundexter. the one where Sunday is seen as this day where families get yeah. outside and they hike before the week starts or a yeah. longer chunk of time outdoors on a Sunday. Yeah, this is a tradition that's especially strong in Norway, actually, uh, where the Sunday is, is, is kind of kind of sacred for and set aside for like a family trip of some sort. It could be a, a walk or a, a ski trip or going to the cabin or something like that. But a lot of times it is um, also cross generational. So it is Aww. it could you know two two or three generations wow. um, going out together. And I you know I just. Wow, that's really special. And I think a lot of people do here in the States, they'll do a big Sunday dinner where it's cross generational Mm -hmm. and the whole family will come or kids will come home that have moved out. But to add in that nature component would really tie you together because I liked this sentence. You had a story about a a guy who walked every day. Walking was a big part of this book, which I want to talk about. But he walked every day and then he would map it out. It's like he was pretending he was walking on this cool thing and he'd come home and, Uh you know, he's just walking in his neighborhood. Yeah, that's my father-in-law, actually. So he, yeah, so he has this challenge every year that he... He walks um, uh, on his imaginary map that, well, I mean, he uses the the map of Sweden and he walks to the very top of Sweden, which is, I don't remember how many miles now, but um, it's a long ways. And then he walks back, but he never, he never leaves his community or usually doesn't, but he, he just, he, um, yeah, he uses it like a smartwatch and then he maps out like all his, you know, as he makes progress on, on this map. And it's such a cool idea. Well, and you had a sentence here where you said coming back from his daily walk, which like you said, is just in his community. It's probably very similar from day to day. You say he always seems to have a story to tell. Even on these plain walks, you see different things and the weather is changing. Yeah. And I noticed the same thing, too, because I have a walk around uh, my neighborhood here, which I usually go like on my lunch break. And it's it's interesting when you do go out, you know, all year round, you you are you immediately you tune into the landscape like you, you it becomes part of you. Um, it's hard to explain, but like you see all the, as you see all the changes in the landscape, um, you get to know the landscape. Mm -hmm. Um, I I also tell the story about how, when we moved back here, I wasn't sure. And we had a pretty cold winter. And so the lake froze over and, um, you know, I, I, I knew I used to go ice skating on, on, uh, different lakes when I was a kid, but I didn't know this particular lake where we live now. And uh, yeah, and I was debating, you know, is it going to be safe for me and the kids to get out there now? And, and so I started observing the lake, and I started talking to my neighbors. And there's all this like collective knowledge about this lake. And it's a really cool thing when, you know, when you start digging into it, you realize how much of this knowledge is sort of uh, often uh, is lost if we are not out there. Uh, mm-hmm. And actively participating in in the changes of the season and mm-hmm. um, getting to know our nearby nature, mm-hmm. and so I just sort of followed the lead uh, of the locals, and uh, and now I feel you know we're this is going to be our fifth winter here, and now I'm totally comfortable. Wow. Uh, I know, yeah, I know how to you know, check the ice. And I know, I know where the treacherous spots are because the locals have told me, and then I've been able to observe it myself now that when you see, when you actually observe the the ice melting, and uh, wow. you know, as, as warmer temperatures come in, you can see which areas melt first. 
and that that tells you a lot you know that tells you a lot about where the ice um is uh, at its weakest point mm-hmm. is usually where there's movement in the water underneath and so forth so there are so many cool things it's like once you start peeling off the layers there's so many cool things to learn mm-hmm. and the the neat thing about Trilus Leave is that you're never too old to start. It's not like a sport where, you know, you have to like get in and compete. It's like this is these are all things that you can learn um, throughout life. Right. Um, I started foraging for mushrooms just a few years ago. Wow. When I was like in my 40s. You know? mm-hmm. And I'm far from an expert, but I know enough to to actually be able to enjoy that on a regular basis mm-hmm. and uh, and also another thing um, that I talk a lot about in the book is survival skills and how that can help empower mm-hmm. us and uh, even make us prepared for uh, prepared for the worst and you know it's not something that I might maybe that I think about when I'm out camping or, or so but just knowing, knowing how to dress for the weather, mm-hmm. knowing how to purify water, knowing how to start a fire effectively, like even if it's maybe, you know, windy or rainy outside, those are all skills that are very good to have in today's world. I mean, there could be, a, we, we never know when we're going to be hit by a natural disaster or, mm-hmm. you know, worse, like we got a war going on very close to, to home here. Mm-hmm. And so all this is very top of mind right now and so yeah so so learning those skills is kind of taking on a different dimension and different meaning for me now too I kind of look at it as or you know we look at it as everybody's responsibility kind of to to learn uh to to take care of yourself and your family uh even if the worst was to happen Mm. you know when the skies open up while others seek shelter I embrace the rain Heading to my favorite hike, the raindrops are like a soothing melody, and my Vessies ensure each step is dry and comfortable, turning a simple outing into a rather delightful experience. Whenever my kids and I are stepping into a great outdoors adventure, I love wearing Vessies Stormburst boots to capture the beauty of springtime landscapes. Their robust style is perfect for our nature excursions, adding a little dash of elegance to our outdoor explorations. This spring, Transform how you view wet weather with Vessi. Their Dymatex technology makes their shoes not just waterproof, but a stylish barrier against rain and puddles. Whether it's a sudden downpour or a planned seaside walk, Vessi shoes ensure your feet stay dry and comfortable. Embrace the essence of spring with Vessi. From chic city walks to adventurous treks, find the perfect pair for your lifestyle at Vessi.com outside and enjoy an automatic 15% off your first order upon checkout. That's V-E-S-S-I dot com slash outside for 15% off your first order. Eating better is easy with Factors delicious ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including calorie-smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. So get started today and get after your goals. Some of the things we love about Factor are their two-minute meals. You can fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. Our kids love the pancakes, smoothies, and more. And there's a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, including midday bites. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And remember, to sign up and save, we've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash outside50 and use code outside50 to get 50% off. That's code outside50 at factormeals.com slash outside50 to get 50% off. And you even have in your book six different ways to make a fire, of which the most intriguing to me, which I've seen before but I've never done, is the Swedish log. I'm doing it, though. You've got (laughs) step-by-step instructions in there. And you talk about 
how children are taught these things. Well, first of all, Mm -hmm. I thought it was an interesting point to say that they're taught how to dress appropriately at young ages, that this is Mm. part of the culture. Whereas here, I think we just dress our kids in whatever and send them out or don't send them out. But it's not part of their knowledge. It's our knowledge. And you say Mm. handling knives and fire in preschool is approved (laughs) as good parenting. That's a big difference. Yes. Yes. And I think the the four schools are especially, uh, uh, they're at the forefront of that. Um, They they often have the kids using like real tools. um, And uh, fire is a a mainstay at those schools because, you know, the kids are outside most of the day and uh, they have fires to cook food and to, to warm up. Uh, so the fire is an integral part of uh, of the experience. Mm-hmm. Wow! And uh, and I think, but I think we're getting to to where it's maybe I don't know, maybe not. But the forest school movement has really taken off in the U.S. It so has. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm seeing more of these ideas. Maybe mm-hmm. we're. I think the fire is becoming more accepted. Maybe not the knives. The, <laughs> the knives and <laughs> yeah, 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 it is. It is changing. The culture is slowly moving this way. And in fact, hopefully later in November, there is a forest kindergarten near us, a forest school. The kids are outside all day and they're celebrating 1000 hours outside day because the kids have done that challenge. So we're actually hoping to get over there, but it's neat to see they're over in Holland, Michigan, which is near Lake Michigan. So they're getting those kids out to the lake all year round. They're seeing all the changes. And you had talked about the ice sounds, which I had just Mm. read Endurance, which is Shackleton's journey through the Arctic and he talks a lot in there about the ice sounds and the moanings yeah. and interesting, yeah. all of the things that are in nature, like yeah. you said, simple and things that you notice when you're out there. Yeah. Now, I, I was just going to say that, you know, I live by a lake now and in the winter, I could sit out there forever and just listen to wow. the sounds of the ice. You know, it, it makes these sort of eerie uh, sounds uh, as the the ice sort of expands and contracts. Uh, If you haven't heard it, it's pretty cool. If you haven't heard it, I, you know, go on YouTube and, um, and do a search uh, for uh, uh, ice sounds or something Mm -hmm. like that. Ice singing, Uh, you had written that phrase. Ice singing, yes. That was interesting. Uh, There's really... I haven't even hit my favorite topics here yet, Linda. The book is really uh, thought-provoking is one of the words that comes to mind right off the bat because it makes you think about how are we doing childhood? How are we doing family life? And you said earlier, it's never too late to start, but then you also hit on the other end of the spectrum, which is that you don't age out. And you talk a lot about nursing homes and the care of the elderly and how nature is woven Mm. in there. And one of the things I thought really stuck out to me was you had a part about nursing home residents walking barefoot on cobblestones and how that Mm. was improving their balance, which is really important. Trying not to fall, trying to ensure that as we age that we're not falling and that we have good balance and agility and coordination, but also was reducing their blood pressure. So walking was a huge, Mm. walking outdoors, I thought was a huge theme of this book. But so much information in there about walking outdoors and also walking barefoot. So Mm. I'd love to talk about the care of the elderly and how that's different. And also maybe these walk and talk meetings. Yeah. (laughs) Interesting. That seems like a cultural thing. And that doesn't seem to happen here. Yeah. So I think the reason why I emphasize walking so much in the book is that um, I think it's, it's the lowest hanging fruit because it is you know, it's free. It's something that you can do almost anywhere. You know, it's easy to get started. And there's just so many ways of varying it. Like mm-hmm. you said, you can walk barefoot. And like, I also have a list in the book of, um, of the, the, the different names. ways of walking, the different walks. Well, that was yeah. interesting to me because it was like lunch yeah. promenade. I, yeah. I loved that part because it just goes to show yeah. how much walking is embedded in the culture because you have all of these yeah. different names for different yeah, types I think of the, walks. 
Right. I think the language, uh, you know, it's a reflection mm-hmm. of the culture. Yes. And we do have a lot of different uh, terminology for different types of walks. So like barn vines promenade is, is like a stroller walk uh-huh. for tell us, parents tell us and more. young children. Because they sound so <laughs> yes. cool too. Tell us a couple more. Um, and we have uh, which is like a moonshine uh, walk, uh, which is, uh, you know, which you can do like on the full moon when and just be guided by the moonlight. Um, there's a snub promenade, which is like a short walk if that's, you know, all you have time for after work. Uh, and there's just like countless more. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think I think you mentioned the walk and talk meetings, and that's getting to be pretty big here uh, now. It's it's a it's popular and has been for some time for companies to to bring employees outside for for a, you know different types of meetings, um, and it's just a different way of meeting where you're more relaxed. Um, I've heard both both. Uh, uh, supervisors and people uh, and other workers say that they feel more on like equal footing when they're mm-hmm. outside. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of times topics might come up that people don't always feel comfortable sharing in a, in a sterile uh, conference room. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's just a novel way of, um, uh, of uh, meeting people, and also at the same time, you're you're also getting the benefits of right. being out there and and moving around. And we all know that the brain needs breaks, and uh, you know, getting out there for for a little while can increase circulation and decrease stress, and and it has all these physical benefits too, mm-hmm. which helps people become more creative and focused at work. So it's like a win win for the companies, really. Right. Um, so, you know, at first glance, it might it might seem frivolous that, oh, you're out walking at work. But, you know, I, I think or it might seem odd. They, they, I, I yeah. think that would be maybe the the bigger yeah. one is it's just yeah. different from what everyone else is doing. They're in a meeting uh-huh. room and they got the water cooler and that type of thing. But occasionally yeah. you do see companies where they have a walking path outdoors. And you wonder right, if that's right. why they put that there. I, you don't ever see anybody on the walking path. <laughs> but that is an interesting thing. And even yeah. with your own kids, maybe if there was something important that you needed mm-hmm. to talk through, to think about yeah. taking it outside. And you had, I just mm-hmm. read the book Blue Zones, and you had mentioned mm-hmm. that book in here too, with a sentence that said, mm-hmm. the world's longest living people don't pump iron, run marathons, or join gyms. Instead, they live in environments that constantly nudge them into moving without thinking about it. And they walk every mm-hmm. single day, almost everywhere. Yeah. Which is what I took from that book too. If you if they went through the seven different places where people live long right. and in every single instance it's 5 miles, yeah. 10 miles. It's some of them are 5 or 6. Yeah. Which didn't necessarily seem that out of grasp. Yeah. It's you know it's funny. I feel like we have we've made our society so efficient in terms of like we transport ourselves everywhere. We we've sort of minimized the need for movement. And now it's all, you know, the chickens are coming home to roost. You know, we've realized that, mm-hmm. you know, we actually really needed that movement. Yeah. And so now people will go to the gym instead to sort of recreate that, yeah. uh, that movement that our bodies crave. Right. And, uh, you know, it used to be that we just got that naturally from like manual, like being out in the fields or, you know, hunter, uh, uh, hunting and gathering, you know, way back. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've, I think we made our societies a little too efficient. And mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, we're seeing that in the Nordic countries too. It's not like we walk everywhere here. Um, we do use more public transit, which helps that helps you get more more steps in the day i think uh, more so than driving a car of course because you still have to like walk to the bus stop or whatever it is um and you walk between like there's more more uh walking in between um Mm -hmm. 
in, in between those different modes of transportation, rather than taking your car from door to door, that really eliminates mm-hmm. movement completely. Um, so I think public transit is, is good that way, but um, it could definitely, you know, it could be a lot better too. And, and we're not by any means, uh, I would say, perfect over here. There's a lot that can improve here too. It's interesting. It's like it's seeping in. You say we're going back to the gym and I'm reading a whole lot just as of late in your book, Katie Bowman, Michael Easter, just talking about walking mm. outdoors and the difference between that and a treadmill. Now, of course, if you mm. have no option, then you pick the treadmill because you're moving. Yeah. But Katie talks about how they are not equal. And in your book, you talk about that one of the concepts of free loose leave is yeah. propelling yourself, which yeah. I thought was something interesting to think about because then we have now these one wheels and the electric bikes, which in some cases mm-hmm. are really cool. You see a, a yeah. person and they got six kids in a little basket cart thing on the back yeah, of their electric yeah. bike. I mean, that's great. But the concept yes. of propelling yourself really made me think yeah. the canoe and moving away from the motors. Mm-hmm. Can you talk, yes. just because this is what this book is, the open air mm-hmm. life, yeah. some of the elements of free loose sleeve, we've talked about it some throughout, but non-motorized, right. non-competitive. Um, yeah. So no, yeah. I think one of, one of the women that I interviewed, she, I think she captured it well when she said to me, you know, free lift sleeve begins when the motor is uh, turned off. Mm-hmm. And I think that sums up that part that, yeah, sometimes you have to drive places, but it's, it's when you, you know, turn off the motor and you get out there, that's when it really, when the open air life really begins. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, non-motorized and also like non-competitive. That's that's a big part of it. Um, and that's why I think it's so beneficial to kids because I think kids have a lot of pressure on them today mm-hmm. uh, to perform uh, at school and, and in extracurricular activities. And there also, there's also the kids who don't really do sports or don't don't really enjoy right. sports. I have I, I have, you know, one of my daughters is not like really into sports, but nature, mm-hmm. um, nature provides even for those uh, like opportunities for the kids who are, you know, not into athletics as well, which mm-hmm. I, I think is really nice. Right. Um, a nice part of it. Um, and another thing is that, you know, you want to utilize your nearby nature. Uh, we all want to get to the Instagram uh, worthy places. Uh, I mean, I'm guilty of it myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's something about those places that just inspire awe. Like there's a reason why some national parks are so popular mm-hmm. because they're just amazing. But um, to get that sort of those sort of day to day benefits of open air life, then uh, you need to to sort of get out in your in your nearby nature areas mm-hmm. and and your community. And I think that also helps instill like a sense of place um, yeah. in uh, in our kids and ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and another key element is um, just to be out there to feel joy. It's not just to to like you know ward off yeah osteoporosis you know we're out there because yeah because because it's um uh, yeah that's interesting you're not like oh i'm gonna try and get my steps in or it's more this thought of i'm just going to be i'm going to be present and from that comes there was a lot in there about happiness and fulfillment yeah and the fractals and feeling good and passing things yes. on to our kids. Linda, I really right. love this book. Mm-hmm. It's another Thank another you. life changer. <laughs> the cold swimming, yeah. really yeah. interesting. Even just these messages that you had to people about, you know, to the mom with three little kids, to the, you went through and talked about how yeah. these biggest, our biggest joys can be found in these simple things. And you talked yeah. about your screen-free Sundays. And there's so many ideas in here and really just provoked mm-hmm. A lot of thought, which is how yeah. can I bring some of these cultural elements into our world, pass them on to our kids, and then possibly mm-hmm. radiate out a little bit. And, you know, like yeah. you said, the forest kindergartens are taking off. There seems to be yeah. more and more. And so sometimes it just starts small and then it starts to radiate yeah. 
Yeah, and your movement has done, you know, great things too. I mean, it's amazing, like how I, I keep hearing about one thousand hours outside from, you know, all, all, yeah, all kinds of well, places. Well, especially because yeah. I'm in this one, and I didn't know. I was reading. We talked about it, but you never know. I know editors cut things. Oh, yeah. And so I was getting toward the end, and I was like, oh, you know, you and I had had some back and yeah. forth, and I was thinking, oh, if it gets cut, it's okay. You know, I wouldn't yeah. ever be offended, and I totally understand. But then <laughs> there it was, so that's in there. Yes, and, at the very mm -hmm, end. And how influenced I was by you and embracing the seasons for what they offer, yeah. which is what really changed so many things for our family. Like you say, it's this is the time. Right. Instead of looking yeah. at it, it's like, oh, I can't wait until these months are over. It's like, oh, no, this right. is the time for we haven't done skiing, but yes. we do sledding and snowmen and hot chocolate hikes. And yeah. and you said sometimes one of the best parts is coming inside. Yes. It that is. this juxtaposition you, is yeah. actually really beneficial. Mm -hmm. I thought that was a huge statement. The beauty lies yeah. in the contrast. And it's important to mm -hmm. recognize that sometimes the greatest reward of being outside is actually coming back inside to the comforts of home. We're missing, yeah. we're missing that great reward. Yes. Yeah. If you never, if you don't go outside, yeah, you miss it. Mm -hmm. I love coming inside and lighting a, a fire, you know, in our um, wood burner and yeah, grabbing a cup of tea and feeling, you know, being enveloped by the warmth of the house. And I think it's important for kids to appreciate that too, because these are all comforts that they've come to take, take for granted. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it, it's just, uh, yeah, it's a nice way of experiencing those mm -hmm. contrasts. Wow. And I do, I do, I mean, I, I, I um, use you as an example of how to localize Freelift Sleeve. And I talked to a couple other Americans too. And, and one of them, you know, she really got into it during the, the pandemic. And I think, you know, I think that goes for a lot of people mm -hmm. who realized during the pan pandemic it, that we didn't really have a choice, but to, right. to do things outside. If we wanted to socialize at all, it was going to be outside or, or nothing, mm -hmm. you know. So I think I'm hoping that a lot of people kind of uh, uh, that they that they will ma maintain, maintain at least yes. that they yeah mm -hmm. that they discover that it, it's yeah. possible to do this. And I think uh, that's yeah. what your book will help people to do is to understand that in other yeah. cultures they do maintain that and don't go back yeah. to the busy busy all the time. So the open air right. life it's available now is beautiful. I love the idea too of it being a beautiful book, a great gift. Yeah. A great one to read as a group, a nature group. Maybe all yeah. your nature group reads it together. It looks beautiful in the home. Mm. I mean, even this. I like that because this is yeah. what shows is the spine. Yeah. It's so yeah, it's pretty. <laughs> it's such a gorgeous book. And we only talked yeah. about some of the things in here. There is so much more for people to discover the open air life. And people can get it, I'm sure, wherever books are sold. And then they can find you on Instagram and Facebook at rain or shine mama with two M's and yes. your blog has so much fantastic information as well. I love it. Rain or shine mama.com. So, <laughs> um, but this has all sorts Thank of you. practical things, sample packing list for backpacking or wild camping beyond the mm -hmm. inspiration. You also provided the practical and yeah. learning about foraging and how to get started with cold swimming and four ways. Oh, Oh, we missed this part. One last, all last was the cooking group. The cooking group yes. was one of my favorite ideas. Because uh -huh. you talk about yeah. four ways to cook outside. And then people are having oh, these yeah. cooking clubs, outdoor cooking clubs. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I love, uh, I love cooking outside. Uh, I think the food tastes better mm -hmm. outside. And I think it's just a great way for families and friends to, to socialize outside. Yeah. So, um, and it's just an easy way to, to get together and you can all, you know, either y'all bring ingredients or, you know, however you want to organize it. Um, just highly recommended. We have a, a big um, uh, cast iron uh, sort of a, ah, gosh, losing like the word pot, now. Kind <laughs> of a big. It's not a pot. It's like a flat. Oh, um, like a griddle, like a griddle. Yeah, like a gr griddle. Yeah, kind of like a griddle. Uh, perfect for making like you know uh, tons of burgers or oh, hot yeah. dogs or whatever. 
um, perfect for big groups. Uh, or I also have a Dutch oven. Mm -hmm. um, that's another favorite way of cooking. Or you can just use, uh, if, if you can't have like an open fire, you can do just use um, like a regular camp stove. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, it's just. Yeah, I'll, I'll never forget in the there's no such thing as bad weather where you talk about how a cheese, it was a cheese sandwich. You say yeah. it's cheese, it tastes better outside. And we've been reading yeah. uh, Alistair Humphrey's books where he adventured through the world and he talks a lot about banana sandwiches. And I just think like, oh, yeah. oh every day that's what he's <laughs> eating. But it's outside, it tastes better. And there was a sentence that yeah. says, when you eat outside, it's easier to stay outside. So this start out. Mm -hmm outdoor cooking group was something I have starred and bolded as just a, a fun idea. Linda, what a book. What a book. You, you hit it out of the park on number Thank two. You. Open Air Life, <laughs> Discover the Nordic Art of Free Loose Leave and Embrace Nature Every Day. Uh, can we end with a fate? What is, besides walking, which I think is, mm -hmm. like you said, is a, a mainstay for, for most. What is yeah. a favorite Free Loose Leave activity that you like doing as an adult that really brings you a lot of happiness and joy? It, I'm going to have to say downhill skiing. Uh, I'm a daredevil. <laughs> I, I'm probably, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm an extreme skier, mm -hmm. uh, but I do like speed. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. So yeah, it keeps life so, fresh yeah. and fun and exciting and things to look forward yeah. to. Linda, congratulations. I absolutely adore the yeah. book. And thank you for coming. I know you're so busy that this is launch week for you and you have thing after thing. So thanks for spending this time with us. Thanks for inspiring families around the world. Books in, uh, translated into language after language after language for writing another one. And I'm so excited for everyone to read it. Thank you so much, Jenny. We're doing, and I wanted to say, I wanted to mention my teen and my tween are doing uh, a thousand hours outside next year. All right. So, I've never done it before uh, because, you know, it, it, we just have, I just hadn't seen the need. And, mm -hmm. But now I've noticed when my kids, when they get, you know, as they're getting older, they're wanting more of a challenge. And so I tossed this at them and I said, hey guys, what do you think? Should we? Should we try to see? <laughs> That's so should we, cool. see if we can. You think we can reach a thousand hours? And their game. So, I love it. I love it. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll get our trackers and. Ah, uh, that's so cool! <laughs> oh, I'm so excited to follow along. Well, Linda, thank yeah. you, and I hope it's a great week of promoting such a beautiful book and all these thank different you. concepts that are really changing lives and improving mm -hmm. lives on a grand scale. Thank you so much, Jenny. If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy The Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of The Shameless Mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. I'm not going to teach you how to make baby food or how to make your three-year-old or 13-year-old stop having tantrums. Instead, I'm going to bring you back to yourself. For the last 20 years, I've been helping moms through growth and transformation. Inside the Shameless Mom Academy, I help you identify who you are and who you are becoming. Look, motherhood is hard. It brought me to my knees many times and sometimes still does. Returning to who I am and who I am becoming allows me to decide how to show up in all those sticky motherhood moments, but also in all my other relationships and in all the ways I show up in my various communities. So come check out the Shameless Mom Academy wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm willing to bet you'll leave feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy.